0: If it's your first time or second or third or you're new to Westside, uh welcome. Visiting from out of town, welcome. We're really happy that you can be here with us. Uh my name is Nathan. I'm uh the uh substitute for uh for David. I have not got tenure yet. Um and probably won't be for a long time. I'm actually really glad to be up here. It's a thrill for me to come and, and teach. Uh, it's one of those things that I, I I do for a living, but it's different when I get to teach about the word than when I get to teach like French or English. Or I think this is uh, this is special. So we're in a we're in a four week series that I've extended to five weeks. I, uh, David gave me special permission to uh, to make the, the the series a little bit longer. I felt like he had missed some points. So I, as a as, as a guest speaker, I can I can tag a few on on at the end. So I'm lucky. hopefully it won't be like one of those uh, Pirates of the Caribbean sequels where you just add a little bit too much and it goes a little bit too long and you're like, oh, why? Why are they doing this? <laughs> so, so, And I know you guys probably all have uh, food plans this afternoon, so I'm trying to, to, I'll try to keep it uh, brief. And, uh, but but I've, uh, we've had a really good start to this series. For those who haven't been with us, we've talked about how the stories that we believe shape the story that we live. Um, and the whole series is about how you can change your story uh, by changing sometimes what you believe and by reorganizing your life around new, di- uh, new directions and new decisions and by being intentional about the kind of life you want to live. Um, by following the example of Jesus, we, a couple weeks ago we talked about Matthew and we looked at the whole um, process of reorganizing your life to follow Jesus' story. Last week we talked about community and, uh, and it was really impactful. We celebrated our 14th year as a church last week, which is a, a big deal. Um and uh and yeah so so it's uh, it's really one of those exciting things. Uh and uh today what we're going to do is we're going to finish with another with a bigger question with the, like probably the last question and I think that we're all uh, familiar with this question and it's how does the story end? Because it's a you know every story needs an ending. You need to finish with the story, and you need to think of like how how will you know how does the story end? Is you know what what is the end of the story? What, what, is it a happily ever after story, or is it a is it a, uh, and uh, they all died tragically? Let's cry about it story. Um, there's there's a, there's different endings to it, and and the ending is really important. The ending actually uh, changes the way that we 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 live the story that we're in. Um, One of the habits that my wife and I have gotten into is we read stories to our kids. We love reading novels and and books to them, and and we'll read long novels. Right now, we're going through The Wizard of Oz. And uh, by the way, the book is very different from the movie, a lot more like violence and blood and stuff, and I I was kind of surprised the first time I read it. Um, So just if you decide, hey, the the teacher talked about The Wizard of Oz, maybe not for young, young kids... Needless to say, my four-year-old read it with us, and um, and we were getting that part where where um, where the monkeys are taking off with like the Tin Man and, and shredding the Scarecrow to bits, and yeah, that's in there. Um, and and uh, my my uh, my daughter stopped me and and said to me, uh, "She's going to kill the witch, right?" Like what? Yeah, yeah. Dor- Dor- Dorothy's going to kill the witch, right? Like she asks me this question because she wants to know. The ending. But why, why does she want to know the ending now? We're not there yet. Well, she wants to know the ending because she probably wants to know how she's supposed to react to what she's reading now. Because if she's, if she's hearing this part of the story which is like scary and tragic and, 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 and awful, how is, she spo- is she supposed to be really upset and devastated by it? Or is she need, Or does she need to hear that it's going to be okay in the end? And that kind of brings up a big truth, and and that's this. What we believe about the end shapes how we live now. What we believe about the end shapes how we live now. And this is true, and I think we've all, we all know it kind of instinctively. I think, it, uh, like this week, I had the privilege of being... Um, uh, part with, with some of my students. We went to the, the, the regional cross-country meet. I have a picture here of a, a young man that you guys recognize. He's a very fast runner. He's one of ours. And, uh, and I, I said I'd show it, but it's a, it's a race. It's a two-kilometer thing. And I don't know if you guys have ever run. I don't run very often, as probably evidenced by some things. Uh, but I, don't, but, but uh, I feel like David makes jokes about his physical shape all the time. Is it one of the things that the pastors... Anyway... Um, I, I, so, 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 at a run, if you're in, if you're doing a run, if you're doing a competition, if you're playing a game, once you start thinking that the end is not going to be good for you, like I'm not going to win this, doesn't it change how you run? It changes how you. It, ch- it definitely changes how you live if you know that at the end you're not. It's not going to turn out okay in the end. I'm I'm done. You know, this guy's going to pass me. Uh, ugh, the guy's going to pass me. He's going to pass me. I'm I'm done. You, you feel that the people, champions, people who win sporting events, have psychologists that they meet with. To know, to teach them to know that they're going to win. Because if they know it in their mind that they're going to win, then they start acting and playing like a winner. The, the mental game, the, the pouvoir du mental, if you guys have seen that movie. Um, but, but you, you, um, you have this, this, this idea that what you think about the end shapes how you live now. So what we're going to do today is we're going to look at a passage in uh, in First Thessalonians, which is a tough word to pronounce. Thessalonians, Thessalonians. First Thessalonians, uh, and it talks about it's, it's chapter four and five. It's quite long, but the idea behind it is that it's it's Paul writing a letter to people who were confused about the ending, and and it's going and and we're going to use this passage to kind of inform our hearts about how our end, what's our ending going to look like. And hopefully, as we look at how that, what that ending is going to look like, it's going to shape how we live even this afternoon. So I'm inviting you to take your Bibles, if you have it. We're going to go to First Thessalonians 4. If you don't have it, it's on the screen. And rather than read it all at once, which is normally what we do, I'm actually going to like, give you guys a commentary version, which is like... Where you have, you know, have like the little subtext at the bottom, where you kind of stop and read that, and oh, I know what that means. I'm actually going to stop at the end of little every little section, very briefly, to just point out something that I find interesting. So we're actually at First Thessalonians four, starting at verse thirteen. So we should actually, yeah. So brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep, or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. Like, sorry. yeah. Okay. So, so this is exactly what I was talking about. We don't want you to grieve, like act now, for you believe. What you believe about the end shapes how you live. Let's continue. According to the Lord's word... We tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. This is a key Christian belief that, that of the resurrection of the dead. Uh, as Christians, we believe that God will rise us physically from the dead how that will work, well, from what we know about decomposition and other things, I don't know. But God talks about the, re- the renewal of the body, and in Jesus' rising from the dead, we had a resurrected body that the disciples were able to witness, and they were able to say that the resurrection is a real thing. So we who are still alive will not be left. The people who is, he's writing to, and Paul himself as he writes this, thinks that there's, they're, they're, we who are left, he was referring to the people who are alive at the moment while he's writing it. So at the time of the New Testament, they were convinced that this coming was going to be like soon. Um, and and uh, to this day, we're still convinced that we're soon. It wasn't as soon as perhaps they thought it was, but it's still soon. So we're going to keep going. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with that Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. That idea of encourage... One another with these words, there's something encouraging about being with God forever. Let's keep going. Now, brothers and sisters, about times and dates we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night, while people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. I, I kind of like how this is one of those situations where the writer like cuts off a rabbit trail, and I'm not going to go down that whole idea of like when it's going to be, or the time, or the date, or like that that whole thing. Paul says we're not going to talk about that, and I'm going to still do the same thing because it's one of those things that we're not so sure about, and there's, we could go into the speculation for a long time. So we're going to like uh, put that aside, but the whole idea of that it will come like a thief unexpected, that is something that's directly from the words of Jesus, and I think that that will. That is something that I think is important, and we'll, we'll focus on a bit later. So next? But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then let us not be like others who are asleep. but let us be awake and sober. this time you we'll go to the next one. For those who sleep sleep at night, and those who get drunk get drunk at night. but since we belong to the day, let us be sober putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. So the idea of wearing your faith and love on your sleeve. I just think it's such a cool idea. let's keep going. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. And I just invite you guys to like, bow your heads and pray with me for, for a minute as I get started. Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this Thanksgiving weekend. We're really grateful that you do plan salvation for us. That as it shows here, the ending is a, is a joyous one. Do you want us to be always and forever with you, God? Help us see how that informs how we should live now. Give us a a clear understanding, God, of of what you've called us to how you've called us to live and um, and what kind of people you want us to be. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So drink of water. So where I'm gonna start from this is that Paul often writes letters because there's issues in churches. This is what he, he talks—a lot of what we have from Paul are letters that are like, hey, let's fix this and this and this about what you believe. So what I've done is I've kind of caught on it a bit backwards, and i I've, I've, I've looking at this, I was trying to think of, well, what are the three things he's trying to address? What are the struggles that are going on in the church that he's trying to address by writing this? And I came up with three. There might be more, but I came up with three. And that's the rule. And I put them all with the letter C at the beginning because that's what pastors do. Um, and, uh, and, and here are the three struggles that I noticed at the early church. Um, uh, three struggles that I think that the church that the Thessalonians were going, going in at the moment. We have an idea. There's a conf- level, there's confusion, there's complacency, and there was a lack of conviction or maybe conviction about the wrong things. So these are three things that I think we can see from the text, and I think that there are three things that are relevant to us today as well. I think if I was to say that, you know, a lot of the people in the church are confused, they're complacent, or they lack conviction, I think a lot of people, yeah, yeah, that's true. Like, that's something that you know, we, see, we see, you know, it's easy. Not me, personally, like, not me, but other people, yeah, yeah. Like, we have this kind of, these are things that we see in the church often that we often will complain about. Um, however, I think that um, as we look towards the end, and how the story ends, we can address these three points fairly clearly. Struggle number one, confusion. So why, what were they confused about? They were confused first and foremost, I think, about, about these people who were dying. Because if Jesus rose, rose, rises from the dead and, then the other, and, and the disciples, through praying and healing, rise other people from the dead, what do you make of these people who die after that. They didn't know. Imagine an early church situation where they expect Jesus to be coming back and then, you know, someone, a neighbor, a friend, someone who's part of their church family, often they were just groups of people meeting in homes. What happens if, you know, somebody dies? An accident happens. At the time, you think life expectancy was really low. You could, you know, this is before the invention of of medicine. So, so if someone got a cut, like an infection could kill someone. Like that's the kind of thing it was a, it was, it was a, an environment where people would die quite often and easily. Um, so, so what do you, what do you make of that? Um, they didn't know. They had expected that Jesus would come back before people would start dying. They didn't know that this was going to happen. There was a confusion to there. There was, there was an, uh, an expectation they had of long-term safety and long-term, you know, like, uh, and then God coming back and saving it that wasn't being met. So how do you react to that? Um, I'm sure a lot, some of them were like, what gives, Jesus? Why aren't, why aren't you back yet? And as, as living became harder, as Christians, Christianity grew and persecution, persecution happened, that kind of what gives probably happened more and more often. So, so the church was, might have felt even a bit discouraged on top of confused. And not only that, the people who were dying, it says they were falling asleep in Him, so these weren't just people who were dying, and you could easily say, oh, they deserved it; they weren't being careful or something." They cut their fingers when they shouldn't. They, they, they had this they had this um, they had this list. Paul talks about people who were falling asleep in Jesus, people who were Christians, not people who just didn't des- like who were who got what they deserved. Because in the New Testament Acts, you see some people who died, but just because you know they might have deserved it, uh, but. This, this situation are people who, who seem like they, they were doing all the right things. It should have, they should have been alive when Jesus came back. It's not fair. And I think that mirrors, that confusion mirrors a lot of the confusion that sometimes we have. You know, we're doing all the right things, why isn't it not working the way we want it to? I've planned out this, this, and this, and, 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 and yet the ending that, is, that, that seems to be coming, because you're not quite sure of the ending yet, but it seems to be going the wrong direction. The scarecrow's bits are being pulled out here. This is not going the right direction. So there's a confusion that comes with that. And I see this all the time. And I think we've, to give you an example, as, an, as a teacher, um, we get some of the really hard, first hard conversations with parents. There's hard conversations with parents all the time, but you know, like, you know, parents have a, young, have a baby. The baby's wonderful, magical, amazing. Uh, the baby grows, and, you know, we make sure the baby does all the right, eats all the right foods, listens to the right music, goes to the right daycare, has all the right activities, um, is, you know, does all the right things. Um, and then school starts, and, you know, they write, you get the first note from the teacher who says, your kid's biting people. Your kid's bullying people. And like, reaction, right back. Oh, that's impossible. That can't be my kid. You're lying to me. Like, you, the, the, you, suddenly, this perfect path that I had planned out till the end isn't arriving at that ending that we were hoping for. This is not how the school is ending. And that, that's kind of a funny, funny situation, but sometimes it gets really sad. Like I want my kid to be a doctor. Well, your kid has a learning disability. My kid doesn't have a learning disability. Well, we sent him to the psychologist and your kid has a learning disability. And this image, this path, this end of the story, this educational story that you imagined for your kid shatters. And there's a whole process of grieving that comes with that. And a whole process, and a whole struggle that comes with that. And you wonder, like, what gives, God? I did all the right things. Why is the ending not the one that I had planned originally? Outside of, outside of the story of school, there's other stories that are, that are just as deep and intense. You know, I, I exercised. How do I have cancer? I, I worked so hard at, at getting where I wanted to go. How did I lose my job? Why am I so struggling? Why am I struggling financially? I did all the right choices. And these these failed expectations lead to confusion, particularly about the ending. This is not the ending I signed up for. I joined the church. Shouldn't it be easy now to live as a Christian? That's not how it works, is it? Which leads, I think, to the confusion, but it leads to the well what how does Paul encourage us? He says, Well, in the end, in the end, we will be with him the Lord forever. Verse 417, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Does that feel comforting? to be honest. Sometimes, like, yeah, you know, this is what I want. You know, some people, like, you know, in the early church time, in a society where you had to work hard every day just to survive, to feed yourself, to, you know, where you'd go hungry regularly, this might seem like, yeah, I'm going to be with God forever, this is fantastic. But in a society like ours, where we're so comfortable, where life might be easy, this might not seem all that comforting. This might seem kind of shallow, like, yeah, we'll be with God, okay, all right. But at the same time, Maybe for some of you here even, there might be stories of depression, sickness that I, that, you know, I, I don't know about, or, or things that you're struggling with that might make this sound really good. But even if it sounds really good, part of the frustration and the confusion comes from the timing. Why do I have to wait? We live in a society that's starting to consider like legalizing suicide. But why? Because they're frustrated with timing. You know, their medicalized uh, euthanasia is a thing that people are, are considering as, as making normal and is on the path towards that. Why? Because the timing is frustrating. Why do I have to wait to be with the Lord forever? Or it doesn't seem appealing. So this, this is something that there's confusion about. However, what do we know about our Lord Jesus? This, being with the Lord forever, although it might seem like it doesn't meet my needs right now, meets our real deep needs. This is the Lord who created those needs that you're feeling in your heart. This is the Lord who's who's designed you and knows you intimately. And being with him in the world that he has prepared for you is of glorious and amazing thing. The end is a good end. There is a happy ending, being with the Lord forever. And we sometimes need to switch from what we're believing to, what God, to believing this as being the ultimate goal. Because we live in a society that doesn't believe this is the right ending. We have an ending that has been sold to us by marketers and by people who think, well, what's the best way to live? Well, let's let's um, go to the good school, go to the right schools. Let's get the right kind of job. Let's work the right amount of years, and then you know retire. You know, maybe downsize to a smaller house so that we can travel a little bit more, uh, spend time with friends, live a comfortable life, make sure the kids are taken care of. That's the ending that the world is selling us. But being with God is the ending that Paul is selling us. And, par- and not that any of those things, like having a retirement, like I have, I have a pension through my work. That's great. That's fantastic. Um, I shouldn't say no because this is what I'm going for. But at the same time, Am I basing my happiness now, my, expect, my, my, my feeling of accomplishment now, on being with the Lord or on accomplishing A, B, and C to get that other ending, that happy retirement, Freedom 55 ending that the world wants us to buy? It's a tough, tough question. And I think our confusion about the end, about the desired end, can lead us in the wrong, down the wrong path in this. Actually, if we if start buying the things that the Lord, uh, the, 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 the Lord, if we buy, start buying the things that the word, the world has, I'm having a hard time with the words all of a sudden. Uh, if, we're, if, if we're buying these these ideas that the world is trying to tell us about how the ending should look like, it's really easy to fall short. Or you get that ending and you realize this is not as fun as I thought it would be. This is not as meaningful and significant as I thought it would be. This isn't the ending I had planned. But buying that ending leads to, like, point number two, which is complacency. If you start believing that everything, like, this is the plan the world, the world, the world has called us towards, if you start believing that, then you get complacent. Because... Way, the way the world works is that it, it preaches peace and safety. And there's a passage, uh, read it again, 5, uh, 2, and 3. It says, The day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night, while people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. So... Um, That's what the world says. We hear the words of peace and like we have a whole society built around the idea of peace and safety. Peace and safety is 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 what sells. You know, insurance companies sell peace and safety is what they they're trying to to uh, to to market us to. But we know, even as of like the really tragic events of this week in Las Vegas, peace and safety is a lie. We never know when the story is going to end, ever. and, and safety, although we have a relative safety here, if we're believing that, that we're going to be peaceful and safe until the end of our lives, then we might miss out on the opportunities we have to, 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 to really appreciate the things we are, we're, we're living right now. I think that if, if, we don't, if we continue believing that peace and safety is how it's going to go until the end, we're going to miss out on all the things that God wants us to, to, to live and risk at the moment right now the 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 world has got this you know like you know like you'll have these like posters you can put up on the wall you know live each day like it was your last or or like you'll have this idea of like uh, um, um live your best life now or uh, even like I think I hear like um, I read somewhere that even like Life coaches will have you like write your own eulogy to see where your priorities lie in your life and, and what kind of, you know, how, what's more important to you and what's not and how you want to be remembered and valued and everything like that. And, uh, and I think that's... like So, so there's, there's, there's an understanding... It's good to know that the timing is unpredictable. But when Jesus says, and, and when, when he writes this, like a thief in the light, Paul is quoting something that Jesus was saying. When he says that it's coming like a thief in the night, it means that we have no idea when the end is going to come. Destruction will come to us eventually, um, or Jesus will return eventually, and it will be the end, and we can't plan around it. So, so what does that ch- what is that, how does that change how we live now? If we start believing that the end could be any moment, then it makes the moments we live that much more significant, doesn't it? If, if I said that the world was going to end this afternoon, how many of you would be here not, maybe not that, maybe a couple, like praying desperately that it wouldn't happen. But maybe the most of you would be like, want, you want to be with your friends, you want to be with your families, and you'd want to be going to that Thanksgiving meal that you're already thinking of right now. And now, like you want to be at the door. And I understand that because it's those significant moments that matter. But as you think about the end, one thing that it shapes in you now is a feeling of gratitude. God, thank you for this time. When you pray before that meal, thank you for this food. God, thank you for this food because this food is so good and I get to enjoy it in this moment. It might not be on my last moment. Who knows? It creates that, 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 that intentional feeling of, this is, this is good. This is, this. I think you could go too far on this, by the way. I think we don't want to, like, I, I kind of, you know, I, I could kind of imagine, like, someone who goes, like, hyperactively, like, this Thing ever and like, like I don't know like just starting hugging people I don't know what it could go but like I think if the world is ending you could you could go I think a bit extreme and like this idea of like I need to 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 to, to call everybody I know right away like I, I think there's a there's a and if you did that like like three times a week because you like well this day could be mine and this day could be mine and this could, I think it might like get old pretty quick however it might be I think it would be exhausting perhaps to to live in a continual state of like the end of the world is now but. At the same time, I think there's, there's something to be said about being intentional about the decisions we do make because they're important decisions and our time is counted. You notice even in that Alpha video earlier, the youth, um, the, for the Youth Alpha invitation, they said, well, you have like five, five, 577,000 hours left. 24 or less than 24 for an Alpha program is probably a good investment of your time. Already, that thought of how many th- days you have left inspires you to say, "Hey, this is probably a good a good choice to do your time, to do the time now." So, so there, that intentionality, that putting of priorities, that distra- that removal of that complacency, happens once you um, once you've understood that the end is at an unpredictable time. You don't know when it's going to happen. However. Not knowing when the end can happen can lead in two different directions. And, and that brings us to the third struggle, which is, you know, con, con, conviction. Um, hurricanes, natural disasters happen all the time. And this is kind of sounding like a bit more morbid and like dark all of a sudden. But like, it, you know, these bad things happen. And when a bad thing happens, it seems like there's two human reactions that we see all the time. There's the people who like pull their sleeves, and start, like, helping the wounded and, like, cleaning up debris. And there's people who take baseball bats and start looting. Like, I think, like, there's two very human reactions. There's the one of, like, hey, I'm going to help these people. And the other reaction of, this is the perfect time to get that TV I wanted. Like, there's the two, they're very human reactions. However, I think this is true as we start thinking of the end. I only have so many days left, so I might as well make sure I get all those experiences I needed checked off the list. That whole bucket list thing? Is that a Christian thing, the bucket list thing? I don't know. I kind of feel like it wouldn't be. Because why, why, what are you trying to do? I feel like that's more like, that's not like the pulling up the sleeves type of thing. That's the, like, I'm going to break the window type of thing. I need to get all these things done before I, before I, 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 I pass away. Is that... I don't know. There's something to be said about, about being intentional. But are you being intentional to gain things for yourself, or are you being intentional to help the other, to pull up your sleeves and help others? If the days are If the days are numbered, Jesus says, "Those who try to keep their lives will lose it, but those who lose their lives for me and for the gospel will keep it." Luke, that's in Luke 17:53, and in Mark 8:35. Something he says more than once. You try to hold on to your life and make it about yourself, and getting what you can. You're not going to get what you want. It's not how it works. That conviction um, has a has a different has different expressions. I was just thinking of like eating later. I, I'm I'm the oldest of a, a family of boys, so the rule around our household growing up was whoever eats the fastest eats the most. I would win. Um, because I was fast, and I'm still very fast at eating. How does this relate? Well, because you get the pie. Everyone's had one piece. There's like two pieces left. If I eat quickly, I could have one of those two pieces. Am I hungry for one of those two pieces? No, but I don't want to miss out. I feel like there's people who live their lives like they don't want to miss out on anything. Ever. So they fill their lives with activity after activity after activity, event after event after event. They want to fill every single experience they want to do. They want to have it because they don't want to miss out. And, they're, and they get fat on these experiences and miss out on the essential living with Jesus that we all absolutely need. And you know what? By taking that extra piece of cake, it means that somebody else who probably wanted it more than me might not get it. I mean that there's no there's no cake left. If someone else shows up and opens the door and says, "Hey, I was stopping by because I took that extra piece I didn't really need." We have a culture of drunkenness. That's how he describes it when he talks about the whole like thief in the night thing. He says that some people live like sober lives, or live you know like or, or live don't live like, in darkness and in drunkenness. Live a sober, responsible life, putting on faith and love. And you have those two choices. You have the people who, I'm not going to miss out on anything. Or I'm going to actually live for Christ. And as you live for Christ, you discover a new identity. And I'm going to invite you guys to, one last time, verse 4 and 5, um, and maybe actually if the band wants to start coming up, that'd be, that'd be cool too. Um, but you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or in the darkness. So then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. I like how this idea of being the children of the light and children of the day. One of our convictions as Christians is that this di- coming of, of Jesus back is not a bad thing. It's something that we want to, to, to look forward to, something that we want to see happen. And as we shape our lives to be children of light, what does that mean? Well, it comes from another passage on the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus says, you are the light on a hill, a uh, 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 city on a hill, you're, like a, you're a light of the world, a city on a hill can't be hidden. And people will know about Jesus and discover who Jesus is and they'll be ready for that end coming if they see you living as a children of light. And part of our um, life as a a believer is to live not only for ourselves but to live for the people around us. And that brings us to the idea of identity. And identity and, and legacy are big ideas. Um, And we're going to skip right to the picture, Abigail. This is a a small church building. It's, um... Not that significant for me. I've only been a few times. Um, But it's a a small church in Wimborne, Alberta. And having my dad here (laughs) makes it a lot harder to say. But... um, this is a church that um, was founded in 1927. Out of It started in 1927. I looked on the website because I didn't know this before, before I looked it up. By a, a Miss A.B. Rose. A Miss M-I-S-S, meaning unmarried. Um, she had started uh, Bible studies in, in, uh, in schools. She started a couple of Bible studies and it became a church. And... Um, why did she do that? What was she getting at? Well, she believed this next, next, next thing here. This is from Matthew 24, where, where Jesus talks about a thief in the night. He says, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. I'm, um, I'm of Christian and Missionary Alliance background before joining you guys, and, and, um, and one, that, that was one of the foundational um, beliefs of the Christian and Missionary Alliance, when it f- was first founded, was that the way to bring Jesus back sooner, as if you could kind of control it, I don't know if that's like theologically accurate or even if you should base your theology on one verse, but God has called us to be a testimony to all nations. And, and JJ earlier was, was, talk, was reading that passage of like all the nations before the throne worshiping God in Revelation. And, the, and, and God is calling us to bring him back faster by bringing people to know Jesus. And I don't know if it's like a like you never control God. I think God's timing is perfect. He knows what he's doing. And he and we don't really know when he's going to come back as we've said already. However, to believe that the end will come because of the work of us in this room. That we're working towards that coming shaped how this this lady lived, and we talked about a legacy, and and um, and we all want to live live a legacy. We want people to remember us, and we want people to remember us well. We want people to think good of us, and um, and thinking of a legacy is is is, is great. But you know what? This, this lady, this young young lady, left a legacy because this is the this is the church community that that my father came to the Lord in. He was the first believer in his family. And indirectly, it's, he went to become a missionary here in Quebec and worked in a church there where I came to faith. And from there, he's, this church has also sponsored him and helped him go as a missionary overseas in, in Africa and other places. But if it wasn't for this lady's work, I would never have heard about Jesus. It, went up the track. It it spread. And if I'm to this day working in Vaudreuil to create a commissional community group that brings people to know Jesus in my neighborhood, it's because of this girl almost 100 years ago. That's legacy. What does it matter if you are remembered if it isn't for your life with Jesus? What does it matter if you're remembered if it isn't for your life with Jesus? Let's look at the end and think of what we want to be remembered for. My priority is living for Jesus and being his witness and being a light because I know the end is close, so might as well make it worth it now. For me, that meant being part of a community group. Not just to be part of it for me, but to be part of it as a way to reach others. Maybe for you, it's going to mean, you know, reprioritizing your activity time. Maybe for you, it's going to mean... Um, it's going to mean changing the way you do your finances. Maybe it's going to mean, like, volunteering in kids quest. Maybe it's going to mean sh- changing, you know, your relationships because if this is the last if if you really believe that this could be your last thanksgiving maybe there's some tension that needs to be resolved between you and some relatives maybe there's some forgiveness you need to ask but ultimately i don't know what it's going to be the application for you you don't but but i really am praying and i'm going to pray for you guys now and i would like you guys to maybe i don't know. Yeah, yeah. And and as we pray, I would like you to just think of the fact that, you know, one, it's a good end. God is going to make all things right. That he's called you to live now towards that end, being intentional in the way you want to live. And then finally, what kind of legacy do you want to leave? Make it about Jesus. Be part of that story. Lord, I thank you for this church community. I thank you for their um, faithfulness. I thank you for their love for you. I pray, God, that you will remind us daily, God, that our days are numbered. That we are called to be your messengers. Help us be who you've called us to be, God. Keep our minds on the end. Help us run the good race, Lord. Thank you for your goodness, Jesus. Now, there's some who here may not have even started their walk with Jesus yet, and this seems so weird to talk about an end where Jesus is coming back. as a good thing pray that for those people who are in this crowd tonight who don't know you yet, God, that you will show them the goodness, Lord, through the people around them. Show them the love that you have for them, God, even today.